And um, I'm, I'm going to read a short psalm tonight. Um, actually, I don't, you know, again, we, we can't come close to exhausting any of these psalms, but we just touch them each week. And um, I've been reading Psalm 57 this week, and I had one, you know, I go back into my old blogs, and I had just one from this psalm, and I wrote four more um, this week. I'm sure we won't get through all of it, but um, I've got some, it's, the Lord showed me some awesome things in this psalm. Um, this is, um, this psalm is written um, when David was, uh, just before he became king, when he was on the run, and he was actually having to live in cave. He was hiding in a cave for years, um, and Saul would run after him, and he ch- was chasing him, and this was his hiding place. So he, was, he wasn't living in a king's palace when he wrote this. He was living in a cave, and he was being hunted down by an army who was trying to kill him. So it was not like, you know, living in a palace, servants and grapes and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. This was, he was a, he was a warrior and he was running for his life. And he recognized, you know, because of, of who David was and this is what made him great, he recognized that he couldn't raise his hand against Saul because Saul was God's anointed. So he wouldn't fight back. And he never did. He never would until Saul was de- dead and then he became the king. Um, so he would not lift his hand against Saul because Saul was the anointed of the Lord. So anyway, here we go. Psalm 57. And um, it's powerful, a powerful psalm. And we're going to just dig a little bit into it. Be gracious to me, God. Be gracious to me. For my soul takes refuge in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. <laughs> Until destruction passes by, I will cry to God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He rebukes the one who tramples upon me. God will send his favor and his truth. My soul is among lions. Now, this is not, this is not symbolic. This is literal. Yeah. There'd be lions sometimes in his cave. <laughs> really, he was sleeping in lion's caves yeah. sometimes. Yeah. You ever slept in some, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. I have a blog about that. But, you know, if you go to sleep in a lion's cave, you wake up in the middle of the night, he's still there. (laughs) He don't go away. (laughs) So my soul is among the lions. I must lie among those who devour. Among sons of mankind whose teeth are spears and arrows. So the, the soldiers were after him too. And their tongue is a sharp sword. So he was running from the lions and the soldiers for years. Be exalted above the heavens, God. May your glory be above all the earth. You know, we don't see the backstory on this stuff. You know, you don't get get to be the guy who wrote all these psalms affect the the entire world for 3,000 years without going through stuff. (laughs) Nobody gets a free pass. And, you know, from what I've seen, I don't even want to say it, but... The degree that God used you is the degree of the suffering that you experience. I know it's not popular, but go, go try to refute that in the Bible. It's every, it's every one of every, it's, that's what it is. So David was, was going to write Psalms that, are, that we're reading and studying tonight, 3,000 years later. And so were thousands of other, millions of other Christians. He wrote them in a cave. <laughs> So, yeah, their tongue is a sharp sword. 
Be exalted above the heavens, God. May your glory. So he'd look at the stuff and then he'd look to the Lord. Be exalted above the heavens, God. May your glory be above all the earth. They prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They dug a pit. The Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament says they dug a cesspool for me. They, they themselves have fallen into the midst of it. My heart is steadfast, God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. Awake, my glory. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. And I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your goodness, your goodness is great to the heavens and your truth to the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens, God. May your glory be above all the earth. So, uh, let, me, let me, this one is called Song from the Cave. Um, and it's, I, I won't, we read the Psalms, so I won't read the scripture verse. Psalm from the Cave, Psalm 57, verse 1. I always remember what George Whitfield said about John Bunyan's books. Um, Whitfield, of course, used to read Bunyan's books. He was 100 years after Bunyan. And Bunyan was the guy that wrote, what, Pilgrim's Progress, right? Wrote a bunch of other books. So he was familiar with reading Bunyan's books, and he loved them. He said that he read uh, Bunyan's books, and they had the smell of prison on them. Uh, Those of you who know his story, Bunyan wrote his books from prison. He was arrested, stayed in prison for 11 years for preaching the gospel in England. And um, so so Pilgrim's Progress, remember what we just said a minute ago? Pilgrim's Progress is the second most best-selling book in history. Number one is the Bible. Number two is Pilgrim's Progress of any book. That's pretty amazing. Now, you know what? The guy that wrote it paid a price to write it. Remember what we just said? He wrote it in prison. So like Paul's prison epistles, much of Bunyan's writings came down, came during his imprisonment. And they carried an unusual anointing that you feel in the reading of them. That's what Charles Spurgeon says about Psalm 57. He said that this psalm, Spurgeon said that this psalm has the taste of the cave where David hid himself for years. The Lord is always there. We become more aware in our difficult moments. So difficult moments, we become aware, more aware of God. And we receive more from God. And because of that, we have more of an effect. That sense of the experience that we're going through affects us. And the anointing comes into our lives through that experience. And in that experience... And, and deepens us. And our ministry comes from that. We minister not from our mountaintops. We minister from, our, from the pits we were in. Amen. So David had said, destroy not in reference to Saul. When he had him in his power. And now he takes pleasure in employing the same words in supplication to God. We may infer from the spirit of the Lord's prayer that the Lord will spare us as we spare our foes. For quality, this psalm is called Golden. Spurgeon said, or a secret, and it, will, it well deserves the name. We may read the words and yet not know the secret joy of David, which he has locked up in his golden casket when he fled from Saul in the cave. This is a song from the bowels of the earth. And like Jonah's prayer from the bottom of the sea, it has a taste of the place. He said, you read Jonah and you taste that seawater in the belly of the whale. The poet is in the shadow of the cave at first, but he comes to the cavern's mouth at last and sings in the sweet, fresh air. 
with his eye on the heavens, watching joyously the clouds floating therein. I can't stop thinking about, again, what I went through recently, the hospital thing. I was in isolation, but Jesus visited me anyway. I can close my eyes and remember the presence I experienced in that room. (laughs) The Lord was there in an unusual season of manifestation. None of us want to be swallowed by a whale, right? None of us want to be hidden away in a cave for years. And none of us want to spend time in the hospital. But it just seems that in those times, something very special can take place. So David, now here's the thing that's, that's amazing about this. David carried the smell of that cave on him the rest of his life. It affected him permanently. Not, not just because, it's not, it's not the suffering, but you know what it is. It's not the suffering itself, but it's what ha- in the midst of that suffering, we get a hold of God like we never would any other time. Amen. You know, Paul talked about the thorn in the flesh. He said, remove this thing from me. What was the thorn in the flesh? It was him being beaten town after town after town. Well, that's, that, it, was, it was terrible, but that's, he got a hold of God in, a, in an unusual way because of the beatings. Yeah. And we, we don't like, I don't like that. I hate it. I despise it. I don't like that stuff. But the, the fact is, how many people have gone through tough times before? How many people have had God meet you in those tough times? Now that, that, that gives you authenticity in ministering to other people. Because God met you there, and there's power in that. And if you got, if you can go through a trial and not get a hold of God and it just brings you into depression and defeat and brings you down to the bottom. You just get beat up. But if you get a hold of God in the midst of your troubles, that you'll, you'll carry that the rest of your life. Amen. So anyway, so that was the, that was the first one. And then the next one is called under his wings. This is also verse one. He talked about, um, he was, he would, he would hide away under the shadow of his wings. Now he, of course he couldn't go to the Ark of the Covenant. At that point, the Ark of the Covenant was in Shiloh and he was in a cave running for his life. But that, that's, that's where the presence was. He says, so David would, was in, in the spirit, you know, we, he had that anointing on his life since the day he was anointed by Samuel and in the spirit he would be under the shadow of the wings like we can be. And so David, David knew about danger and he found out about divine protection. In David's life, he'd escaped from the paw of a lion and a bear, and he had managed to escape the sword of Goliath and the spear of King Saul. All of those things. He experienced all of those things. He had also stared down armies of Philistine enemies. He knew it was more than his cunning and skillful fighting or just good luck that kept him from being captured. His talent or his good fortune could not begin to describe David's knack at overcoming and escaping from danger. David said that his protection was supernatural. One of the secret places that David hid himself was in the cave of Adullam. In David's mind, this cave was just a picture of his true hiding place. He believed he was literally hidden away in God's presence. It was in worshiping before the ark that David explored the glory of God's presence. The ark was characterized by the covering wings of the angels. These are the wings David spoke of when he said he was hidden under God's wings. 
Now here's, this came, this, as I was reading, Spurgeon brought out something else that, that, I, that was amazing, made me think of, well this is amazing, you'll see. He says, yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I take my refuge. Not in the cave alone would he hide, but in the cleft of the rock of ages. In the cleft of the rock. That's a famous hymn, in the cleft of the rock. But here's, the cleft of the rock came from Exodus 33. Exodus 33, Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. Right? Show me your glory. Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. You know, we've all sung that song. We have no idea what we're saying when we sing that song. No idea. (laughs) Show me your glory. And so the Lord said, okay, I'm going to, but I'm not going to let you see my face. I'm going to pass by and put my hand over you. And then when I pass by, you can see my back as I go by. And he did that. That's what happened. The Lord passed by, put his hand over him. And it says he hid him in the cleft of the rock. Now that has been sent for historically throughout the church has been used as a, as a, as a type and a shadow of being hidden away in Christ. Christ is our rock. And Moses, as he was seeking the glory of God, he was hidden away. In the cleft of the rock, that is where the glory, that's, that's where we see, that's the place where we meet the glory of God, is in the face of Jesus Christ. That's where we meet the glory. If you want to see the Father, Jesus said, look at me. He's the, he's the unveiling of the Father. He's the manifestation of the Father. He's the glory of God displayed in a human. The Holy Spirit is the glory of God poured out on us. That's where we taste the glory of God. Where we see the glory of God is at reading the Gospels and seeing Christ. Hidden away in the cleft of the rock. So that's where, so today we can be, we can be hidden away. Yeah. We can be hidden away in the cleft of the rock. Amen. Hidden away in Christ. Amen. Now this is, this, this is all coming together here. This is, hey, we're talking about, you know, be merciful to me, Lord. You know, be merciful to me and, um, Talking about how how um, um, we have, we're impacted by those moments that we have with God, but here I'm, I'm going to go to down to verse four through seven where he talks about the lions. I was thinking about these lions, and to me these lions are are the stuff that attack us. Yeah. I mean there was a big old there was a big old lion that attacked everybody last year. They're still trying to erupt, right? They called it some what was it called COVID or something like that. <laughs> COVID, 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 COVID. How many times? <laughs> I feel like I've got Tourette's syndrome. <laughs> you, you say, you say, it's like, like the Three Stooges. You know, there's certain things you, can, there's certain things you couldn't say. And you say it and they just start. Oh, you don't know the Three Stooges. You're too young for all that. Anyways. <laughs> So anyway, the lion was like this, this, it was not, it was, there were real lions there, but to him it was pictures of the stuff that was attacking him. It was images. And the thing, the thing I was thinking about, can you imagine sleeping in a lion's cave? You know, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're looking around, where's the lion, you know? It's like the lion doesn't go away. You go to, you get up in the morning, where's the lion? Has he gone out to get his breakfast yet? Is he still there waiting in the cave? You know, is it, where's the lion today? And so it's like, that's, that's the way it gets. If we don't have our eyes on Jesus, that's the way, whatever the pro, whether it's money or whether it's 
a health problem or a marriage situation. You wake up in the middle of the night and all you can see is the lion because he's, he's sleep, you're sleeping with him. You're sleeping with that lion, right? My soul is among lions, David said. I must lie among those who devour. Among sons of mankind whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue is a sharp sword. Be exalted above the heavens, God. May your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They dug a pit before me. They themselves have fallen into the midst of it. My heart is fixed, God. My heart is fixed. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. David was on the run from his enemies for years. He had hid in the caves from Saul, the Philistines, and even his son Absalom. Remember he went into exile. His son tried to take the throne. And he ran for his life. More than one night, I'm sure he shared those caves with lions. David had learned to trust the Lord regardless of who was chasing him. He had concluded that no one would be able to stop God's purpose and plan from coming to pass in David's life. You've got to come to that. And that's when you get in your eyes on Jesus, be exalted, O oh God. You get your eyes on him, you worship him, you worship him, and you finally get to a point There's no lion that's going to be able to stop God's purpose and plan from being fulfilled in my life. No Saul, no Philistine, no giant, no lion, no bear, nothing will be able to stop the purpose and plan of God. I've got to just get my eyes on Jesus. I can sleep with the lions. That's okay. But I'm going to make it. So, um, So David responded to those attacks with worship. My heart is fixed. One would have have thought that he would have said, my heart is fluttered. But no, he's calm, firm, happy, resolute, established. When the central axle is secure, the whole wheel is right. If our great bower anchor, I didn't know what that was. I looked it up. It just means an anchor on the bow of a boat. If the great anchor holds, the ship cannot drive. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I'm resolved to trust thee, to serve thee, and to praise thee. Twice does he declare this to the glory of God, who thus comforts the souls of the servants. Reader, it is, it is surely well with thee if thy once roving heart is now firmly fixed upon God in the proclamation of his glory. I will sing and give praise. I will sing and give praise. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. I'm not going to think about the lions. I'm not going to worry about the lions. My heart is fixed. I will thank you, Lord. I will praise you, Lord. My eyes are on you, Jesus. You are high and lifted up. Hallelujah. Now, we have lion seminars all day long. You don't want to. You want to get your eyes on Jesus. (laughs) Maybe you feel like you've been sleeping with the lions recently. The Lord has been shutting lions' mouths since the time of Daniel. So regardless of what kind of lion has been roaring at you lately, just respond to his roars with worship. That's right. Begin to worship the Lord. Declare his greatness and his goodness. Sing about how he's shown you mercy and met you and attacked by previous enemies. When you worship, things will change. Maybe those lions will turn and devour your other enemies. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now this one, I've got, I'm going to, whoa, sorry, sorry, sorry. I've got, I'm just going to read this one more. You can check, you'll get all of these in the, in the, my blog anyway. But this, I love this. I posted it a couple of days ago. It's called goodness. Goodness. Goodness is the description of, of the Lord. Goodness. Um, Jesus is, is the personification of God's goodness. He is the goodness of God. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the, 
is the unveiling of his goodness, the tasting of goodness. So we see his goodness in Christ. We taste his goodness in the Holy Spirit. The anointing, you know, when we talk about the anointing, you know, and you start to sense the anointing and you start to become aware of the anointing and you start to sense the increase of the anointing. The anointing is, is, is simply the manifestation of the, of the, of the essence of God's nature, of who He is. And it's the, it's the unveiling of who He is, uh, His goodness. So goodness is all, is always associated to His presence. The goodness of God. The Lord is good. That's what the, that's all they could sing when they, when the dedication of the temple and the, the cloud came down. That's what they sang again. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. The Lord is good in His mercy. If you don't know anything else to sing, that's, that's plenty. You can sing that for a couple hours and you'll just get started. The Lord is good. And then you can switch over to holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is filled with His glory. Those two songs can take you for the whole week. <laughs> so, for your goodness, this is verse 10. He's getting to, he's getting, he's, he's, this, is, this is how he dealt with the lions. Put his eyes on the Lord. Your goodness is great to the heavens and your truth to the clouds. Now, how high are the heavens? We talked about that before. It's infinite, right? His goodness has no end. It goes beyond the universe. David was a worshiper. He really had no other choice after his first encounter with the Holy Spirit and the abiding presence throughout his life. Worship was the defining characteristic of David's life. In today's verse, David is describing the goodness of the Lord. He said, goodness reaches to the clouds. In other words, God's goodness is unending. Just as God himself is eternal and limitless, so is his goodness. Goodness is the defining characteristic of the Lord. The outpouring of the Spirit is the display of his goodness. Jesus himself is the personification of God's goodness. Now, I found this in, a, in the Old Testament Word Study book. The, the word goodness... Um, it's, it's, in Hebrew is the word hased, and it means, it's a, it's a noun, a masculine noun, meaning kindness, loving kindness. All of these shades of meaning are in this word, loving kindness, mercy, goodness, faithfulness, love, and acts of kindness. This aspect of God is one of several important features of his character. Truth, faithfulness, mercy, steadfastness, justice, righteousness, and goodness. The classic text for understanding the significance of this is Psalm 136, where this phrase, the Lord is good, is used 26 times in that one psalm. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. It's 26 times in that one song. To, to proclaim the, that God's ki- kindness and love are eternal. The psalmist made it clear that God's kindness and faithfulness serves as the foundation of his actions and his character. Listen to that. The goodness of God, the goodness of God serves as the foundations of everything he does. His goodness. The goodness of God is the foundation of everything that he does. does. Everything that he does. Um. It supports his unchallenged position as God and Lord. It's the basis of his great and wondrous acts in creation and delivering and redeeming the people from Pharaoh and the Red Sea. The reason for his guidance in the desert, his gift of the land to Israel and the defeat of the enemies, his ancient as well as his continuing deliverance of his people, his rulership in heaven, the entire span of creation to God's redemption, preservation, and permanent establishment 
is touched upon in this psalm. It all happened, is happening, and will continue to happen because of the Lord's covenant faithfulness and kindness. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. His goodness reaches to the heavens. It is endless. This describes to me the continual nature of His goodness as well as the depths of His goodness. He's been with me all my life. Through every twist and turn, He's been good my good during poverty, sickness, betrayal, family crisis. He has provided, protected, healed, directed me continuously, even before my heart belonged to Him. He's blessed me beyond measure with my wife, my children, and my ministry. His goodness is indescribable. I have to agree with David. It reaches beyond the heavens. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. His goodness. You know, I guess the... The, the, what, what blocks us? What blocks us from seeing the goodness of God? What keeps us? You know, the children of Israel were being fed by the Lord every day. They'd been, they'd seen this incredible miracle of the dividing of the Red Sea and they had a cloud, visible cloud manifestation of the glory leading them. They were being led by Moses, signs, wonders, and miracles. They were being fed every morning supernaturally. There was a, a rock following them with water coming out of it, enough to feed three million people. A river. The Mississippi River was following them through the desert. And they were drinking from it. And, but, all they saw was what they didn't have, and they murmured and murmured and murmured and murmured and murmured. Oh, well, why is that? Because, because their eyes were on... There's, there's, there's stuff out there we can focus on. You can focus on debt, sickness... COVID, politics, what you don't have, the house that you don't have that you want to have, the car that you don't have that you want to have, whatever it is. Or you can put your eyes on Jesus. You can put your eyes on Jesus. Right? I mean, it sounds so simple because, because it is. It is simple, but it's difficult to do. I mean, your flesh doesn't want to. But you, start, you put your eyes on Jesus, and you keep putting your eyes on Jesus, and you keep putting your eyes on Jesus, and you start to, then you start to get a, a whiff of his goodness. You begin to get a sense of it, and then you begin to you take a bite, taste, and see, and then you taste, and it starts to get inside of you. It starts to become part of you, goodness, 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 goodness. And the more you breathe in, breathe in this goodness and drink in this goodness and feast on this goodness and delight in this goodness in the Word of God and in worship, then, then you, you, the, 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 the lions in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lions sleeps. Now he's just gonna sleep. He'll just sleep. He wanna be a problem. You'll get your eye, the lion. You can name the lion COVID or whatever you wanna name him and it won't bother you. Whether you got COVID or don't got COVID, you got your eyes on Jesus. You're worshiping Him. 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 And, and then you begin to, you begin to, then what starts to happen then is you start to become aware, not of the lions, but you start to become aware of the blessings of God in your life. You start to see His handiwork. You start to see his goodness, not all the goodness in him, but the goodness in what he's done for you. And you start to be aware of that. And then you start, you start living like that thankful. 
And then, he, then his, his blessings start to multiply in your life. They multiply. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't think we should live a life of suffering. But I'm saying there are times when stuff happens, and that's when we learn and get a hold of God. That's when you grow. You know, and, and starting instead of getting mad and having a pity party, just get a hold of God. And that's, 